Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another edition of your favorite podcast, Insane in the Fembrane. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Another edition of our wonderful podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Really do appreciate it. Um, as you as you all know, uh, Insane in the Membrane this month is uh, we is the is the Insane in the Membrane takeover uh, to celebrate Pride Month. It's called Insane in the Membrane to celebrate the beautiful people who identify as non-binary. And uh, what a wonderful, wonderful thing it is. It's, it's, I'm learning. I'm, I'm learning so many new things and having wonderful conversations. It really is uh, good, good fun. And I mean, I'm, I'm learning a lot. It's great. And that's the point of the podcast. Anyway, so before that, uh, I've got to let you know. Uh, this coming Thursday, 17th of June, Rich Wilson presents Dark Horse Live Comedy Under the Stars. Uh, join me, Rich Wilson, the fantastic Jen Brister, Clinton Baptiste, who was the medium from Phoenix Knights, Amy Cooper, Vix Layton. We're going to have a really great time. It's at the Forum in Tunbridge Wells. Um, you can join us for an interactive Facebook live stream. Uh, get your tickets, four ninety nine, at darkhorsedigital.co.uk or there's a limited number of tickets to be in the audience, physically in the audience at the forum. Um, and once again, go to darkhorsedigital.co.uk for those two. If you click on that link, that will take you to the tickets and you'll see two buttons and one's for the, the tickets for, for to be there or one's for, on, for online. Um, and producer Paul will be manning the screens so that the people from that are uh, watching the show via the live, uh, the Facebook Live, You'll be, able, you'll be able to chat to us. You'll be able to you know, get involved in the comments. Producer Paul will tell me what you're saying. We can have a bit of back and forth. You can have a bit of a heckle. How about that? Old school. Hey? So it's going to be a great night. It's going to be a brilliant night. So that's um, Thursday, the 17th of June. And that's Rituals of Presents Dark Horse Live Comedy Under the Stars. Come and join us. Also, shout out, big shout out to our wonderful sponsors, those beautiful boys at Save Our Souls Clothing, Mark and Stacey. Uh, they, they've been sponsoring us now and they're, they're just beautiful boys. I, I love having them on board. They're good lads. Um, and if you go to sosclothing.co.uk forward slash membrane and use the 15% discount code membrane, uh, you'll get money off uh, of their range. Plus, you'll get money off of our membrane tees and hoodies. You must go and do that. Those that the merch is excellent that they've put together. I mean, and they've said we've got all this gold. No, I'm telling you now, go and get yourself a t-shirt. You will look amazing. They're really great, they're good quality t-shirts as well. They're not just any old shit. These boys really know their stuff. They're ethically sourced. Even the even the ink is vegan friendly. So, you know, what's not to love? Get yourself involved. Get yourself on their on their website, save our soul, SOS clothing, sorry, .co.uk forward slash membrane. Use the promo code uh, membrane and you'll get 15% off. There you go. Woo! So, this week, it's insane in the Fembrane. Uh, it's another great chat with the wonderful comedian and author Rosie Wilby. Rosie Wilby, I've known Rosie a few years now. We've geeked together a few times. Um, and she's got her own podcast, The Breakup Monologues, where people come on and talk about uh, when they've been in breakups, you know, relationship breakups. And I was a guest on that a little while ago, a couple of years ago. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice conversation to have to sort of assess, you know, what happened why it happened and, and hopefully you know you avoid those mistakes going forward um, and she's got a book out now uh, based on that on that very podcast and so we were like well you have to come on you have to come on and you have to come and talk to us about your book and about you know about relationships and things like that and it was really it was a really interesting chat as these always are um, you know that's that's the thing you know when it's when relationships break down it's it's sad you know and it's 
you don't, you know, if, especially if you love each other, but you just can't make it work for whatever reason, and or you know, you loved each other initially, and then it just, I don't know, it just, you know, it just falls apart, and you, you know, you're trying to stick it back together, and it doesn't just, you know, and it's, it's nice, to, it's nice to hear other people talking about their experiences uh, with uh, relationships breaking down, because then you realise that, you know, as we said in this in this episode, you know, it makes you real, it makes you realise that you're not on your own, and you're not, you know, that other people do go through these things sadly, and so. Uh, so it was a really good chat and so without further ado coming up in a bit is Rosie Wilby one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh, it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your healthcare. that's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more so whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A podcast from producer Paul.co.uk. Welcome, Rosie. It's nice to have you here. Oh, it's <laughs> lovely to be here, Rich, and speak to you. And you, in this, mate. Uh, these strange times in the world. <laughs> yeah. What, and it, it's funny. Everybody, I was talking to someone the other day, and they were saying that they felt anxious and they felt, you know, they're, ang- they're anxious about going back out and they were worried, you know, and I, and I just said to them, you know, yeah, everybody feels the same. It just, we're all just pretending that we're all, we're all all right, you know. I think most of us are pretty anxious about it. It's a, it's a strange old time, but I think what's weird for me is I feel this sort of <laughs> like survivor's guilt, if you like, because I've actually had probably the best time of my life the past year or so and i'm aware that so many of my friends have had such a dreadful time so i say that with a certain amount of (laughs) guilt about it because i i kind of realized during the first lockdown not you know not not the sequels Mm. (laughs) those were a bit shit but that, that first lockdown i think it was really what i needed that pause for thought that kind of time to really consider where I was going. I mean, I had just started writing my new book anyway, so it was kind of good timing because I needed headspace to write that. Yeah. And suddenly I had all this time open up to to sit down and do that in a slightly different routine than I would normally. But also I think for me, comedy had become a bit of this slightly wearying cycle of turn up to gig, be funny, yeah. get paid, go home. And for me, I had stopped developing creatively and possibly also as a, as a human being because you get sort of stuck in a certain way of doing things. Yeah. So for me, it was a real kickstart into just coming up with other ideas and, and obviously writing the book, but also thinking about pictures and treatments and having the time and headspace to write really yeah. good pictures for for Radio 4 and, and, you know, have meetings with comedy commissioners, which is weird. Like in the old days, I never had those kind of meetings, but now I'm able to sort of start making things happen. I mean, it may all come yeah. to nothing, but I think it's coincided with me being in a better place in my life. I mean, ironically, I've written this book about breakups 
and it's all really about how I've learned from my terrible breakups in the past <laughs> and getting getting dumped by email <laughs> many right, years yeah. ago when I thought that was a terrible thing before we had ghosting and all of these new ways of, of breaking up with people. Um, obviously, I joked at the time and I felt better after I'd corrected her spelling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, so yeah, I got, I got dumped by email and I've written about that breakup and a lot of other breakups that happened that were very painful. And part of my quest, if you like, in investing break, investigating breakups has been to figure out how to stay in my relationship that I'm in now, which is mm. the most solid and steady and stable relationship that I've ever been in. And yeah. subsequently, after I finished the book, we've got engaged. And oh, congratulations. Our wedding next year. <laughs> Thank oh, wow. You. I know. And it's just this very peculiar thing that my life has... And again, I just feel, I feel bad saying this. My life has sort of suddenly come together in a way it never could before. Um, and I'm aware, <laughs> you know, everyone around me is having an awful time. Um, <laughs> but I, I do get it and I do hear what it's like for other people because honestly, I have been there and I've um, really been through <laughs> terrible yeah. times in the past. I've, oh, oh, you know, awful, awful times um, when in my early years, in comedy, I was in a relationship with somebody who was in the closet and wasn't out right. to her family. And the sort of shame attached to that and the feelings that you have about yourself when your partner is sort of ashamed of you and you're effectively your parents-in-law don't want to meet you is really, really tough. And that was quite draining of my energies and, and really challenging. And I think did sort of colour how I was feeling about myself those early years when I was going around on the on the circuit gigging and touring. Um, I mean, my partner did once try to tell me that uh, her parents were, you know, maybe not not too homophobic because they had quite enjoyed the film Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> I thought, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's not necessarily giving the most positive <laughs> sense of how gay relationships uh, can turn out. Um, but... Yeah, I think it's it's really a kind of weirdly interesting time for me where I do feel that a bit more positive about the world. And obviously the pandemic, yeah, it was terrible. Like if you turned on the news and, you know, people are dying, I mean, you know, awful. But in another way, this kind of, this uh, feeling of, of being on holiday, you know, <laughs> it was beautiful weather <laughs> that first lockdown and, was, yeah. and not, you know, not having to trek to some of the, frankly, yeah. hideous and awful gigs. <laughs> you know, they were at the yeah, yeah, yeah. arse end of nowhere in some village hall where the, someone drove into the wall and it's actually just fallen down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, where nobody understands comedy and <laughs> they don't know what you're on about. <laughs> uh, so... In some ways, it was sort of sweet relief from because I have done I have done a lot of weird gigs over the years, and I, I think it it was <laughs> this sort of relief to be out in nature, and I, I love kind of being outdoors and walking our our beautiful dog when she doesn't just run off <laughs> and disappear because she's um, she's called Dolly. She's three years old now, and she is a cross between a cocker and a beagle. So both quite okay. crazy breeds. Yeah. Um, beagles are not very obedient, terrible at recall. Cockers have high energy. So it just wow. means that when she does run off and run away from us, she does it really, really fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she doesn't give a shit either. <laughs> she really does not. It's so depressing because in the house when she's sitting on the sofa with us, she's so cuddly. She's the most affectionate dog. Oh, she's just amazing. But, yeah, when we're out and she's chasing a scent of a deer or a rabbit or a fox, there's just no, we can't connect with her. Fortunately, we've got this little tracker oh, yeah. where we clip to her collar and we can see where she is. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean we can get there. She goes into <laughs> private gardens. No, God just knows off. Where. <laughs> 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 Yeah, she, she really does. So it's been quite interesting. And one time I was chasing her and scrambling through brambles and crawling along like I was in some kind of, you know, assault course or whatever. 
and I finally found the tracker on the ground in the dirt oh, and no. it had come off off of the oh, dog's no. collar. So but I found God the tracker, but not gone. the dog. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then some other lady came uh, came along and walked past and I was looking very dishevelled. And she had um, she had our dog on a lead, and with her two dogs. And she was like, "Oh, is this your dog?" I was like, "Yes, yes, it is. Thank you." And it joined someone else for a walk. Oh wow! <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah, pet pet owning has been. Um, I guess that's been quite a dominant factor in my life the past mm. two or three years. We've got two cats as well. Mm and they they all sort of get on and it's it's kind of fun times so i guess for us they're our babies really they are our oh, children yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you call yourselves mum and dad <laughs> well mum and mum i suppose <laughs> oh, um, yeah mum and mum sorry yeah i uh, no, well yeah. It's, it's all right i mean yeah my, my girlfriend can be dad she can well that was it i didn't know because i know i've, I've got a, a, a couple that i know and one of them's mum and one of them's dad but they're both they're both women uh, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if we were really going to go along the sort of gender stereotype kind of roles, um, she is the one who is quite firm with the dog. Right. So I would probably, if if she's being naughty and I'm like, oh, you know, I, I can't, I'm not very good at telling her off because she's so cute. Um, so I'll be like, oh, don't do that. Don't yeah, be so yeah, naughty, yeah. you know. <laughs> um <laughs> really ineffective um, and i'll be like well just you wait till your other mum gets home because i'll tell her what you've done oh yeah i'll tell yeah, her yeah. you've eaten her shoe <laughs> uh, i used to have a i used to have a, a black pomeranian called elvis and oh. elvis he was lovely but he was such an arrogant prick he never <laughs> he never did because he, he knew he was good looking and he knew he, I, I don't know what happened to him with his previous owners. I know he didn't like kids because the kids had picked on him, which is why we ended up with him. But he just used to look at me like I was like he just shat me out. He just I was like Elvis, pack it in, and he just like whatever, and he just fuck off out. <laughs> he just didn't care. But you know, he was a good-looking dog, so yeah, you know, the arrogance well, of that's, beauty. Yeah, that is the thing, isn't it? I actually say in my book, if our dog Dolly, if we like chosen her on an app on like a tinder for pets you would totally are based on her photo because she looks absolutely beautiful and she's got you know she look got that kind of classic snoopy look with the beautifully soft ears oh, nice. that you just want to squish <laughs> <laughs> and she smells of biscuits and she's just adorable but yeah she she doesn't really care about us even no. though we give her treats and cuddles and she has soft beds to sleep on yeah it's funny it's almost like they're animals isn't it <laughs> they don't <laughs> they don't really get it <laughs> well i it's funny with I, I we couldn't have pets before because my my partner was horrifically uh, allergic to them and like when i used to look after when we first got together we used to look after my dogs from my previous relationship even though even though my ex-partner knew that she was uh, she was allergic she just she did that and she, and bless her after a couple of days she's like I, I need to go to the hospital i need to go and get a nebulizer she like Ooh. she'd put herself out that much you know i love the dogs and and they were like are you sure she's like no that'd be fine let's have them let's have them and then uh, yeah two days he's like oh, we've got i've got to go to the hospital <laughs> so we stopped doing that because i'm like i don't want to kill you as much as i <laughs> as much as i appreciate what you're doing and it's beautiful it was a nice gesture. It was a nice gesture, and bless her, it got yeah, it got to a point like, no, we're in hospital again. So, yeah, oh. it's a shame. It is a shame, but it's you know, I mean, I, you know, it's funny you talking about the gigs. The the anxieties are coming back now, for, and it's more to do with the money. Like you know, it's all right, you've mm. got the gigs, but it takes a while to get paid, and that's the yes. cycle. Yeah. That's the cycle I'm in at the minute, and you're like, I'm, I've done. I look really busy, but I haven't got any money, and you, and that used to stress me out. I didn't miss that in the lockdowns. You know? Yeah. Oh, I think that is really hard, and I think the relationship with money is really complicated if you're a self-employed creative yeah. freelancer. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, things haven't really been fair for us at all. No. Um, <laughs> no. You know, those grants, like, Oh come on! Mm. <laughs> it, it doesn't even the months that they covered it. I'm just, I'm like, 
but there was a month missing, surely. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> you know, exactly. And then, yeah, they it kind doesn't of... all add up. It doesn't make sense. Um, and yeah, I've definitely struggled mental health wise in the past in terms of i think possibly the worst thing is when like a venue goes into liquidation oh god and yeah. it was quite a nicely paid gig i remember that happened once a few years ago with there was an lgbt arts festival at the brew house in taunton yeah and they and it was really odd me and the other performers were like there's not really anybody here it's all a bit weird and we'd all turned up and done our shows to very tiny audiences and a yeah. very skeleton staff was sort of keeping things just about running and then of course the the paperwork of doom the big envelope of some stupid forms you've got to fill yeah. in to try and claim your fee which you know you'll never get um so, yeah. it, all this stuff arrives through the door and you're like oh no <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and it's such That's and you awful. just it, what's worse is that you just know you, it, it's horribly it's it's inevitable you just get that feeling you're like i'm not getting paid for this i know this is yeah you gonna... just know don't you i i did back years ago when i was a musician in the sort of early noughties um I did a gig at uh, Pride in Glasgow, Scottish Pride or Scott Pride or whatever it was. And <laughs> it, was, it was all very disappointing anyway, because uh, me and my partner at the time had gone all the way up to Glasgow to stay in the travel lodge. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> and, um, and then when we got on stage, it had been quite a nice day, but it suddenly absolutely pissed down. So there were just a few lesbians in fleeces and hiking boots under their umbrellas <laughs> listening to our songs. And then we started to get the fear that we weren't getting paid because all the Scottish acts who were local were chasing around after the person with the money. Oh, God. And so we joined this trail of people chasing the person with the money with some urgency yeah and yeah we could tell something was wrong and so by the time we got to the front of the queue they were like oh we've run out of cash and i got handed a check and then you get charged for it bouncing <laughs> yeah 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 i know it's it never, yeah adds insult to injury it's yeah. like oh no but it is that it's that like you say it's that relationship with money that causes so much stress and especially oh, in, in our industry in order to progress you have to you have to put money into it so you're you know you're you're paying for to go to edinburgh and things like that and so then then you're in debt you're either uh, in debt you're either in debt to a partner that said they'd pay for it or you're in debt to the people you're in debt to someone and all you're trying to do is progress and get to a point where you can you don't have to worry about money. I mean, it's not even having millions of pounds. It's just getting to a point where yeah. money isn't a worry. And this, yeah. is, and this is the problem, is it? Everyone feels the same way with money. Oh, I know. And yeah. unfortunately, we live in this sort of celebrity-obsessed culture where we pay some people, a few artists, ridiculous amounts. Yeah. And the majority of creative artists who also have something valid and fascinating to say... <laughs> you know yeah. not very much um so it's oh, i find it really tricky i've kind of wondered if there are different models we can look at like in the books world which is i've started to be involved with now i've kind yeah. of written two books you know they pay you in advance based on how many copies some kind of you know middle class white straight dude thinks you're going to sell uh, you know with all yeah. the unconscious bias that is loaded mm. into that uh, so of course you get a system where you know your white middle class straight dudes are gonna get paid more because yeah. the people making the decisions go oh i think everyone will like this book yeah, yeah, whereas yeah, yeah, oh yeah. i'm not sure i understand you know this book that's written by a disabled lesbian um so yeah. it's it's really really tricky isn't it and i've i've actually written in my book there's a bit there's a chapter set in edinburgh where my girlfriend and i are not really getting on and we're sat on the top of colton hill where there's that weird monument to scotland they I sort know. of it yeah, looks a bit yeah, like yeah. um sort of greek <laughs> pillared kind of uh monument and yeah we're just having a 
cup of tea and, and really arguing because she's just like, why are you doing this? Why don't you come home? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, but you need to support me. I know this seems <laughs> ludicrous that I am here, an experienced seasons performer with a show that's had, you know, has already toured and had four and five star reviews and sell out shows. And now I'm performing. I can see how somebody thinks it's absolutely yeah. You know, it doesn't make any sense, doesn't add up. Now I'm performing it in a tiny attic with a falling down backdrop and <laughs> a room full of litter and a microphone that doesn't work. And I had to even switch my own lights on and off and make that kind of part of the show. Oh, and, gosh. Oh, oh, let's make this yeah. fun. But honestly, oh, my God. I, you know, I don't know how you sort of reconcile that with yourself when you know i just think edinburgh i yeah i think it's become a bit problematic so in my book i actually break up with edinburgh oh, really? <laughs> but we'll, yeah i i decided to class it as an abusive relationship fuck yeah <laughs> it's taking all my money and making me feel bad about myself and it's making but you I, feel like you need it like yes. are you, yeah you need to be here you have to be here <laughs> Well, I want you to be here. Come on, uh, yeah. So I, yeah, I haven't. So I haven't been for a few years, um, but we'll see. You know, it's kind of one of those things where I'm sure I could get lured back. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think it can be the loneliest place to be as oh, a performer. Oh God, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been stood in many doorways, pissing down with rain. Just, what am I doing? <laughs> you're in a city. All your mates are there, but you're just. You just, you have a moment. I remember Jade um, being at the Pleasants and she was in one of the big rooms. And she sold, that year, she sold £47,000 worth of tickets. Wow. And she came home with minus three grand. <gasps> yeah, and you're like, how? How is that? How is, and then it's like, yeah, well, you know, it's what you have to do. You go, in any other industry, anyone would go, are you fucking mental? You know, yeah. but, but it's all, you know, you feel wow. like you have to do it, don't you? I mean, that that is, yeah, it's staggering, isn't it, really? Yeah. But I think it can make you feel like what you have to say doesn't have value um, because you're not getting paid to do it. And in fact, as it turns out, for many of us, particularly if we go to Edinburgh, we're paying out... <laughs> thousands of pounds to be able to do it and to be able to say what we have to say but I, I think because for many of us our identity is so wrapped up in the shows I mean I've this breakup monologues book stems from obviously my podcast the breakup monologues but that was preceded by this whole trilogy of shows about love and relationships and the sort yeah. of psychology of how we are attracted to people fall in and out of love and so on so it's a whole body of work that feels so connected to the fabric of who I am and what I am and it, it's you know it's got this political undercurrent of watching the world become more tolerant to me as a gay woman and now finally being able to get married um, yeah. so it feels like there's so much that's really important in that work even though obviously you know lots of people don't know my work and don't care about it but there are people who really really do and I sort of feel like you know there are people who messaged me after they'd read my first book and said oh it helped me to be friends with my ex or communicate with my ex or it helped me to get over a breakup or it helped me to think about monogamy and yeah. I've changed my approach and you know i feel really happy about it or you know really really healthy things that were altering people's mindset about how, how they felt in relationships and how they'd been feeling lonely and alone and yeah. isolated and not normal and i think you can't almost put a price on stuff like that so no. i felt a bit you know, because with that first book, I um, my publisher actually went out of business. Oh shit! <laughs> which <was> awful. <laughs> I mean, they got <laughs> they've got bought out by somebody else. So I do get I do get sent my royalties now every so right. often. Oh right, that's all right then. Oh my god, it was it was difficult times because I wasn't sure if the book was still going to come out or, or what was going to happen. But when you put so much into it, um, and you really care about what you've got to say, and you know that your audience, however big or small that is, will care about that too. Yeah. 
Um, it's it's really stressful if you think that isn't going to yeah. get out into the world at all. <laughs> <laughs> After all the work you've put into it. Oh, my God. Know. Yeah, because writing a book, God, it is it's quite an endeavour. Like, yeah. It's like sort of 10 Edinburgh shows in a way. <laughs> well, it, and that's it, isn't it? Because it's never the, it's not the first draft. It's always, it's like I'm, I'm working on something with somebody yeah. and we're not even at the dialogue bit yet. It's literally, we are setting out the universe that these characters live in and setting out the, setting out, you're talking about who the characters are, how they came to be, where they are. And that's just, and that's taken us, that's taken weeks Every week we meet up via Zoom, and it and 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 you're like right, and this isn't even you know, and and then they because they've done it before, they've done work before, so they so they've been explaining to me how it works, and they were saying, look, this is just how where we're at now, this is going to be different when we get to, further down the line, and I'm like fucking hell, I just thought you just wrote the thing, but you have to yeah. invent this whole universe where these characters exist. And that's the same with books. Yeah. It's that it's you you get the idea for it, but you have to keep rewriting it. And you know, I know, and th and then it takes um, ages for your friends to read it as well. <laughs> like my friend oh, yeah. <laughs> said, um, <laughs> she I I said to her, oh, you know, what did you think? And she was like, I really like the bit where. And then she detailed this bit. I was like, oh, that's on the first page. <laughs> <laughs> they tell you two bits and you go, that's on the front and that's on the back. Hang on a minute. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, so sometimes it takes a while to even get the, the feedback that you so sorely crave as, yeah. a, as a terribly insecure performer <laughs> and creative. <laughs> well, this is it. It's that weird, we live in that weird middle ground where we have the kind of the confidence to do it but at the same time the insecurities eat away at us when we do it you know it's yeah sort of, and it's a weird place to be so no wonder we're all we're all depressed and or our emotions <laughs> are up and down yeah well yeah i've been interested in how in the the first lockdown i have embraced the fact that i'm largely an introvert mm. and I think, I suppose you kind of assume if you're doing something like comedy, you must be extroverted. But I think tons of comedians are quite introverted or are a complex yeah. mix. There was a study done where we were found to be quite different to actors who are typically extroverted, whereas comedians are much more of a, much more of a mix. And yeah. I think lockdown helped me to embrace that introvert tendency. And I think in a weird way, doing comedy is my way of having carving out a space yeah, to, to speak yeah, yeah, yeah. and to put some ideas and thoughts out there into the world because you've got a microphone you've got a stage and normally <laughs> not at every gig but normally that gives you the space to do yeah. what you want to do <laughs> like of course sometimes there are gigs where there are people who are hell-bent on you not being able to yeah, yeah, communicate yeah, yeah. your ideas <laughs> and your jokes and yep. your humor um <laughs> But largely speaking, that platform allows you to to say something and create yeah. something. Uh, so oh, I yeah. think it's sort of it's quite a good thing for an introvert to do. And you know, I mean, it doesn't mean you don't like other people. Like there are lots of other comedians I love seeing. But sometimes yeah. if I saw everybody at a massive party altogether, I might be like. Oh, oh, I'm just going to go home. <laughs> um, but I think I've been able to embrace my introvert tendency and understand it better. Yeah. So I think that's been, yeah, quite useful. Well, I, yeah, I'm the same. I'm. I've said this loads of times on here. I'm fundamentally, I'm quite shy, and so what I'm what I end up doing is going into social situations, and I'll have a couple of drinks. So I'm a social drinker. I don't really drink at home, but I end up getting bollocksed because I'm so on edge and nervous that I'm in this new situation. And it and it got quite it got quite bad actually. In the last relationship, I was a bit. I remember going. I don't think I can face it. I can't. The, the nerves was too much. That I was going to look like an an absolute dickhead. That I'd have to really build up the courage to go. I I I think I think because I'm maybe like. <laughs> 
we weren't really firing on all cylinders, so that was kind of chipping away at my confidence a bit, and hers as well. We were both at that weird, we didn't want it to end, but we couldn't see a way of fixing it. So I think that affected us on different levels. And it, but I am quite shy, and I know, if, like when I've done, when I've done drugs with people, and these drugs mm. usually people get all up and, hey, <laughs> I go the other way, I go really quiet. So people oh. like people like doing things with me because they get all chatty and I just sit and listen. <laughs> I do a bit of DJing and then they're just chatting away oh, about whatever. That's, yeah. that's what we should give uh, audiences. <laughs> the listening drug. That's it. Just to say, they sit there go, this is really interesting. I'm this enjoying is great. This. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. There's something in there. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, gosh, drugs. God, mm. yeah, it's, it's been a while. But <laughs> well. I mean... Yeah. yeah, I used to I used to love a bit of ecstasy um, yeah. in my former former life. <laughs> that would that would make a night out feel much more palatable. Well, this is it. I tell you, I was talking about this the other night. I was like, I can tell you, I'm nearly I'm 49 now. And I'm like, someone said to me, you're, no. you're you know, yeah, you're getting <laughs> you're getting into the heart attack territory, and so I'm like, yeah, you're right. We don't want to be doing that. So, but it it's yeah, I, it's um. It, it, the fact that you end up doing those things late at night, I think that used to fuck you up. Because you're like, if you're going to do drugs, do them during the day. Start at lunchtime. <laughs> and then you're in bed by at a reasonable hour, you know? But I'm not well, like doing that. Yeah, I mean, know. depends what drugs you're taking. But... Well, yeah, this is it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they started getting rubbish, didn't they? At the end of the 90s, people yeah. would just sell you an aspirin outside a club. And you'd be like, oh, well, at least my yeah. headache's gone. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so alive. Yeah. <laughs> but now people I remember I'm not on them now once I had, I had antidepressants once and that would have been in the early 2000s and then I went and I was working at a festival and somebody put liquid uh, they put liquid uh, ecstasy in my drink oh wow and so the two things kind of cancelled each other out and I just felt <laughs> I just felt really I just felt nothing I was like talking about mortgages and you know it's like <laughs> Just yeah. normal, just very pragmatic. Just, I, was like, I said, oh, that's what I need to do. I need, to, need a bit of that and a bit of that, and that'll level me out. But I don't know, everybody, this, I think there's far too many people now get put onto antidepressants too quickly, you know, I think. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Um, there's something I talk about in the book is yeah. the idea of whether we could harness the side effects of certain antidepressants, um, particularly the SSRI uh antidepressants mm. um now what's that serotonin uh oh god i can't remember what ssri right. stands for but it, it's to it do is. with um uh, uh serotonin reuptake inhibitors i think okay um and so some of the side effects of those are that they can make you less empathetic with somebody or less attached to somebody <coughs> yeah. so say for example if you were in a sort of abusive relationship okay. and you wanted to somehow fall in inverted commas out of love with that right. person you know there are certain drugs certain chemicals that we already take that we take for something else uh, that might be harnessed to have an influence in our romantic lives maybe to right. detach ourselves from an unhealthy relationship oh, and um, equally um ecstasy was used in the 80s in couples therapy was it really to help couples communicate yeah before yeah, it became right. outlawed as this kind of naughty rave drug yeah yeah, yeah. and i think ah. god i want to go to that couples counseling oh my session. god that would be incredible producer paul's just put the link up on the screen selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor yeah you're right that's it yeah uh, selective yeah. i didn't i couldn't remember <laughs> the first word yeah yeah um, and i think that would be yeah there's something that that yes i've done yeah having done drugs out in the world in you know at raves and wherever else but the best times have been at home in when you're with a with your with your partner doing yeah. it yeah that'd be, that'd be amazing i know absolutely although i remember um me and my partner at the time we used to do it sometimes when it was we worked out it was really not the right time like when you were just about to watch a movie at the cinema <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, like, God. Too excited. that's the last thing you want to do 
know. We were like, oh, we better go. We're, just, we're going to disrupt everybody. Um, or, you know, when you've just ordered a massive meal and you suddenly don't have any appetite, you yeah. just want to go and dance or snog or yeah. hug people or chat. Um, uh, so, yeah, we, we used to sometimes end up taking a doggy bag out. We'd be like, oh, we suddenly don't feel hungry. That's it, yeah. <laughs> sort of drugs have come up. <laughs> I know people that when they're doing them, they drink as well. And I'm, I can't, I could Ooh. never do both. No. I, I do one or the other. And uh, Yeah, well, it is a drug yeah. as well, isn't it? And yeah. I, I think that's one of the more harmful ones. But, of course, in this world, <laughs> in this messed up world, we, yeah. we make things that uh, don't necessarily need to be illegal illegal yeah well they can't well it's that that old conversation isn't it that they haven't worked out how to make money from it the government haven't worked out yeah. how to tax it and once right, they yeah. yeah once they do that then suddenly they, they get behind it you know like weed will become legal very soon as soon as they work yeah. out how to make money from it it's true isn't it yeah. yeah back to money back to money again it's all money this is the this is that's so the first lockdown i felt strangely zen because the stress of having like you said the stress of not having to, i didn't have to go anywhere i was mm. I, I didn't have any money but i wasn't spending any money on travel so any yeah. money that was coming in was just going on the bills and just just things you know it was it was quite nice to be taken out of society for a bit and yeah, it sort of got back that. to the simple yeah. priorities, the simple basics. Me and my partner were like cooking meals together, like oh, things amazing. we don't normally have time to cook, like, you know, cooking a really nice lasagna from scratch, you know, with all the wine and fresh herbs and spices and yeah. everything, you know, or a spag bol or, or whatever, but, but doing it properly without, you know, just packets yeah. <laughs> and whatever. Well, you had um, time, you had time to do it properly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so that was really nice, um, and I think it gave us a chance to to bond and connect. Because normally she's out during the day, and I would have been out a lot during the evenings. Yeah. So sometimes you can be a bit ships that pass in the night when you've got different working schedules. But then I think by the time the sort of further lockdowns came in, yeah. <laughs> we were a bit like ready to have that space again because yeah. i think when you're expecting it and then it's taken away from you you're like oh god i was really mm. looking forward to you going out our hair was getting so long and so big <laughs> <laughs> i'm still growing mine i've kept it up i've decided to grow it good work yeah but it's funny because I, I got a job working for my mate's clothing company and i and that that helped so I was out of the house every day and because we were we were in our little bubble so I got to do that and keep out the way so that kind of took the pressure off a little bit in the last lockdown because we would have yeah. yeah we would have killed each other you know? mm. and uh yeah I remember she did a set when we first went back out and it was all about how how she would get away with killing me <laughs> going all right cool yeah, we need to have a chat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we, me and my partner have just got uh, life insurance. And oh, you really? don't think, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just see, if one of you's not feeling well, you go, yeah, all right, let's, I'll, I'll, be the, I'll do it, I'll go. I'll be the one. It's funny, when I went, I did some gigs abroad and we got insured. We were insured for like two million quid. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and I remember my partner then was going so i just so where are you going again <laughs> suddenly all these vans are coming at me when i'm away <laughs> but yeah you know it's but that's it's all part of being in a relationship isn't it trying to work out i think that was the problem with these lockdowns is that we're not supposed to be with each other 24 7 you know? No, it's yeah. no, it's really completely unnatural. It's it's yeah. really really strange. So I, I kind of I find it odd when people do work together and live together and you know socialize together and do everything together. I mean, it was a nice kind of change to spend yeah. all that time with my partner. But I do think, yeah, you need some, <laughs> you need some time apart. Yeah, but. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been a really interesting time, I think. And yeah, like I say, I have really been reflecting a lot on, you know, kind of 
my sort of identity as a gay woman and mm. how I've sort of seen kind of queer politics evolve and now that I can get married. But I've also thought about my own sexuality now that I'm in the security of a stable relationship and I am in a relationship with a woman it's been more a it's been more possible for me to look at the fact that in pure sexuality terms I'm probably bisexual um which is kind of something I've never I mean when I came out um, you know, bisexuality hadn't even been invented yet, really. No, <laughs> you know, well, it's yeah. just let's be in a gay society at university. And but I've had boyfriends, you know, back long, long, long time ago. Um, and I'm not, I, you know, I know some of my gold star lesbian friends, as they call themselves, um, <laughs> who've never slept with a man, who are like, oh, peanuts, oh. Um, and just sort of recoil in horror at thought of a man. But I've, I've never really been like that. And in the book, I talk about, I went and did this really weird experiment. I participated in a sex lab where <laughs> you go in and look at erotic imagery and they're sort of measuring your genital arousal and your pupil dilation and um you're also rating the different clips that you've seen you know how i mean it's weird this you look at a woman masturbating on the floor and and then you they say how likely would you be to date this person (laughs) which is like well i've never met her i don't know yeah Um, (laughs) Yeah. i'm not gonna gonna date her just based on that (laughs) so weird i mean i frankly uh in that first clip where the woman was masturbating lying on the floor i was concerned because there was a guitar leaning very precariously against a window. <laughs> and I was concerned, you know, guitars are not uh, not disposable. They, they're quite fragile instruments. <laughs> so <laughs> I found yeah. myself distracted, frankly. <laughs> but, but, but when it came to um, some of the clips of men, I was, I was like quite intrigued because I haven't really mm. looked at a naked man for quite a while. I was, I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> there yeah. we are. Um, and so I just think sexuality is, uh, you know, more complicated than maybe the sort of social and cultural and political labels that we attach to ourselves mm. that help us to sort of neatly say how we fit into the world in terms yeah. of the relationships we're more likely to commit to long term and how we sort of put ourselves into the world in, in that way. Yeah. But it's been quite interesting for me to perhaps have that freedom now that I know that I'm not going to go off and shag a man, but to say that actually it was not terrible when I no. did. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> it was quite fun. Uh. Um, but I, I, I suppose I've always had a bit of a, um, a bit of a concern that if you say that, then I've often been um, approached by men after gigs who were a bit like, particularly when I was single and I was talking openly about being single, and they're like, well, you're not really a lesbian, are you? Not, no, no. Oh, right. And it's somehow different. they didn't really... <laughs> they no, didn't you should really have a decent... You've not had a decent cock somehow, bike, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've always been careful not to fuel those thoughts of, well, oh, she just needs a, a cock. Um, <laughs> whereas now I'm, I'm engaged to be married to a woman. I'm, I'm happy to kind of, you know, admit that cocks are fine by me. They're, yeah. they're, they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's how you know. You know who you are when you're, when you're engaging in the act of uh, onanism. When you're on your own and your thoughts, you're thinking about the thing that gets you to where you want to be. I think that's how you. Uh, that's how. That's what I think, anyway. That, like, you know, yeah. what do you think about when you masturbate? Is should give you an indication of where you're at sexually, maybe. Yeah. You know. I yeah. I mean, I think that can sometimes be <laughs> surprising. I mean, I I um I joked in uh, in my first book. I do a scene, there's a scene about me going to the lesbian sauna yeah. where I was hoping for it to be this uh, hedonistic orgy like my gay men friends have. Mm. Um, but we all sort of ended up just folding towels and chatting <laughs> and tidying up. <laughs> this is, I'm not being sexist, right? But it, I've worked in a gay sauna, in a, in a male sauna, and yeah. it's a very different vibe. And if you, oh my I, God. if you leave men alone long enough, regardless of their sexuality, they will just fight and fuck each other. Exactly. That they will. Be, they just do, and it's no. And yeah. it's. I mean, yes. 
we don't want to be completely gender essentialist, but I no. totally agree that women don't have that same, I don't know, we're not able to separate out sex and love and the sort of emotional side of it the, the same. So it was a very different experience uh, going to this kind of lesbian sauna and it was all sort of really polite and stuff mm. as well. So... <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, after it's so... you no after you yeah <laughs> well yeah i mean i got to um the point where i did actually end up having a little snog with with a woman in the shower but the shower was on a timer <laughs> so obviously the gay film. men don't uh they don't mind maybe they don't need that long under the shower well no i remember once there was these two two guys and they were really at it but they in the sort of that so this kitchen bit and people could go and make a cup of cup of tea or coffee or whatever and then you had the sauna and the steam room and then upstairs in the in the attic there was like cubicles you could do stuff glory holes and there was porn on the yeah. on the tv so the kitchen bit was meant to be so you come out of all that and then you have a bit of a chill out and you cup of tea and whatever you want to do maybe have a cold drink or whatever and these two fellas just in there and they were just pounding each other Again, <laughs> like, they, like the cups are flying over the kettle's going <laughs> and I had to go up and tell them like lads hey come on not in here you take that take that upstairs or take it in there they're just they were just <laughs> in, I've never seen not something not in the tea room I was like yeah, exactly you're ruining the doilies <laughs> I've never seen two people have sex in such an aggressive fashion it was it was brutal, and it, and I'm like, hey, come on, guys, and then they they it was like I had to tap them on the nose, like, hey, <laughs> just pack it in, <laughs> it, you know, because that's what you know, and that's yeah, it just seems to be, I don't know, I don't know. Wow, well, you've, you've had some interesting jobs, Rich. I have, I have, <laughs> but it made me. I mean, working in the sauna did make me realise that I wasn't gay. I thought I was, I <laughs> thought I might be, but I had one experience, and then. That was it. I kind of it felt it was a lovely experience, but it was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm more into women than men, you know. But maybe yeah. it's just the way. Maybe it's just because I've been brought up that way. Maybe because I quite like the mates that I've got. There's some of them when we say when we say hello, we kiss each other hello, we kiss every goodbye. Not it's not snogging, but it's like it's a kiss and it's a hug and you mm. know, and it's nice and I quite like that. You know, I think more people should be like that. You know? So is it a kiss on the lips? Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's myself and Marcus Birdman, who you, I think, nice. You know. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. hello, mate, like, and we kiss each other, and yeah, we wouldn't have sex, but there's a <laughs> <laughs> there's a chemistry there. We enjoy each other's company. We don't lie on the beach twiddling each other's hair, but you know, there's a, and we do, you know, if we haven't seen each other for a while, we do message each other, go, I miss you, I miss you too. It's quite nice to have that hmm. you know but we wouldn't I've thought about it would I have sex with him and I'm like no no probably because I know what he's been up to <laughs> <laughs> you know where he's been yeah <laughs> but I don't know if that's the same with, with you is that you know are you quite affectionate with your friends and um mm, probably not a lot of kissing on the lips because I think that would be too confusing because yeah being a gay woman who has gay female friends predominantly like my close set of friends are are all gay some are ex-partners yeah. and so it would feel a bit weird and a bit kind of crossing boundaries to actually kiss each other mm. on the lips like we are close and, and care about each other and look out for one another but um yeah but and also i I think partly because in the LGBT community there's a lot of kind of of mental health mm. issues and there are much more common instances of depression and anxiety and so on. I've had a lot of friends who I can't physically see that often, mm. uh, you know, ex-partners who are agoraphobic or bipolar. Oh, and, really? Um, and then they sort of disappear off the scene for a while. Yeah. And then you know they're back again i mean i i had a relationship for two years with a woman who who has sort of partial agoraphobia and i mean it was really challenging because she hadn't had it diagnosed at the time and we were musicians and we were touring together 
and so there'd be a load of gigs where she couldn't she didn't make it she didn't turn up and oh um, and it was very complicated going out with somebody and working with somebody who mm. who had this kind of agoraphobia but it was it manifested in a really weird way because she felt okay she felt safe if she was in her car so sometimes we would do these gigs where literally she had parked her car like right up against the door of the venue oh my <laughs> so god she would practically walk out of the venue straight into her car i mean of course she would always get parking fines yeah <laughs> parking but she'd rather tickets. that than yeah so wow. yeah i it's um yeah a lot of kind of close friends have have been people who've really suffered and struggled a lot mm. you know there are probably friends of mine who see me as you know relatively robust and normal and resilient and i think oh my god <laughs> you know if only you knew how yeah, i've been yeah, feeling yeah. at edinburgh fringe those times or when i was in that you know relationship that was really difficult for me and really really challenging but um yeah i think um you know when i started comedy i think i sort of had almost a bit of a rebirth after i'd had this music career that had kind of fizzled out when my band all broke up um and I think perhaps foolishly, I felt a bit invincible for a while. Like I was doing all the comedy competitions and getting yeah. through and that was so addictive and compelling <laughs> and exciting and amazing. And so I met my partner who, you know, if I'd have thought rationally for a second, I'd have known that I didn't want to be with somebody who was in the closet. I actually had an active online dating profile at the time saying, I didn't say no closet cases, but it said something to that effect because I yeah. knew that was not something I would handle very well. I knew myself yeah. enough. Uh, but, of course, then I met this person at a gig. Um, it was quite a weird little gig in, in Borough at a pub called The Ship of Fools. Oh, nice. And um, oh, <laughs> it was such a <laughs> random little, you know, one of those very random upstairs rooms. Yeah. And there was hardly anyone there and i remember this woman like coming up to me in the interval and saying um i thought you were really great and i said i've not been on yet <laughs> <laughs> um, That's what you, so, want. <laughs> you know <laughs> we got chatting and when i was actually on she she did like it as well but um i think the sort of the high of of starting comedy and that feeling exciting and meeting yeah. new friends in comedy whipped me up into this kind of oh well it doesn't matter that she's not out because i'm so amazing <laughs> that she, yeah. she's bound to overcome all of these issues and you know she'll be able to come out because of, of going out with me you know oh, course, you have yeah. this total uh, sort of e egotistical uh, kind of sense of how you know you can help your partner to you know, kind of overcome something that yeah. really they need to overcome for themselves. Yeah, I understand that. I guess, you know, I've seen people, it play out with people who are going out with addicts as well. And, you know, you can't, there's something very compelling about the narrative of of you helping them sort it out when yeah. maybe you can't. Yeah, I, I get that. I understand. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah, because it's all very well saying, oh, I'll help you, I'll help you, but... If the thing that's stopping them is so deep, deeply locked in, yeah, like you say, there's nothing you can do. You just, you just, you know, that's, yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? That because it was easy for you to come out then, like when you when it happened, you just went, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know. Um, I've gone ta-da. That's not how you do it. Ta-da. Yeah, ta-da. Ta -da. <laughs> you come out. You literally come out of a little closet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Reveal a sort of. <laughs> reveal yourself in a little pink puff of smoke that's it yeah yeah um, yeah <laughs> yeah well i've joked on stage about coming out over the years because i've talked about how my mum bless her who's not around anymore uh really embraced it and got over excited <laughs> <laughs> and uh started telling me all about her and her friend joan <laughs> oh wow okay oh, hello. Hello. hello um yeah and how they used to holiday together before mm -hmm. she met dad 
Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. How she might have been a lesbian in a different era. And then she started getting uh, lesbian love poetry out of the library and, and finding all of this love poetry and reciting it at the tea table. And my dad was like, oh, my God, what's she doing? <laughs> so it was, my mum was a bit over over-enthusiastic. Yeah. Almost, <laughs> but almost, I was lucky, really. Yeah, almost living vicariously through you. <laughs> to a certain extent. So I couldn't come out, yeah. but yeah. Well, that was like, I've said this on another episode. My granddad, we think, was gay. And my dad's dad, and we he never, you know, he couldn't, he didn't come out. And it was only when, when he died, and then these, these four guys turned up that were friends of my granddad that were very uh, flamboyant and... And my, I remember my dad telling me he went, we just didn't know that these my my grand my dad had another life going on, you know. Wow. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it makes total sense. You go, oh, of course, yeah, you know. He just, you could just, he was all very, he's always very well turned out. He, you know, he's always he had, he had wonderful skin. You know, he's looked after himself. I'm not saying that's that's what all gay people have, but no, no. He was always uh, off down the sauna. Always down the sauna. He always smelled immaculate. <laughs> put, he, he just always looked great. And it, and it, yeah, it's a shame that it's a shame, isn't it, that you know, way back then they couldn't just be themselves. They had to. They felt like they had. To, well, they had to, didn't it? It was illegal to. Oh, absolutely, to be yourself, God. And is, I mean, still, you know, still around the world, so yeah. many countries where it's completely illegal. So yeah, it's not like everything is all sorted no. and i think even for people you know of our sort of age rich if if you've been you know if you felt like an outsider and you've been marginalized in some way even when we achieve the kind of equalities that we now have yeah. it doesn't sort of undo some of the legacy no. of that hurt of of the relationships you've had that weren't recognised or could never have, you know, been yeah. recognised in any way or you couldn't be public about or, you know, the fact that, you know, for a woman my age, I, you know, don't have children. And the main reason for that is because I'm a lesbian and because lesbians didn't have children. You know, when I came out in the 90s, it, that was just the narrative. When mm. I came into the the London queer scene, it was like, oh, yeah, gay people don't have kids, but let's just party, yay. And, you know, and yeah, I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. okay, if no one else is having kids, fine. <laughs> and now there's this complex set of emotions going on, to be honest, where I'm so happy that younger gay women do have access to that. I mean, it's still really complicated. You can't do it just the easy and cheap way. No, right. It's just <laughs> Well, I mean I suppose you could just get a man in. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, just get a man <laughs> Yeah, just get a man in. <laughs> the man would be like, Well hey. There you go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just come in, just yeah, just do what he needs to do and well, off he goes. Yeah, but yeah, I mean it's the kind of hypothetical conversation I've had with girlfriends in the past like which of our male friends would we get to father our children but it was always just sort of a bit of a, a kind of jokey hypothetical thing because it just wasn't really yeah. accepted and there's you know the law hasn't really uh, it's only relatively recently that that um say if you had a child by ivf that the you know non-biological parent would be recognized in any way that that's really? a fairly recent development so yeah, it was um, definitely something, and it's something I've been wrestling with, I think, mm. as I've been thinking more, as I've been writing this book about relationships and love, and there was a chapter that I wrote about family and about the animals and about when my partner and I were at her brother's wedding and sort yeah. of being part of her extended family and how it feels to have not really had that opportunity to have children yeah. um, and I think I'm okay with it now I mean maybe I wouldn't have wanted children and you know it turns out we have a nice life with our pets who don't need homeschooling <laughs> thank god your fur babies <laughs> oh. I mean, they, they have their challenges but I mean our yeah. little um, our youngest cat Tiggy who's just coming up to one he's uh, he's a bit disabled bless him oh. he's got wobbly cat syndrome so oh. we do, <laughs> we do have a few um, 
incidents with him oh, <laughs> at yeah. times. Okay. So he can't make it to the toilet. Oh, bless him. His legs aren't oh, working. No. Oh, <laughs> bless. Um, Rosie, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. It's always what a good note to end on. Isn't it? Cat, oh, cat piss. itself on the rug. <laughs> <laughs> it's a metaphor, I think. No, it's not. Um, when and the book's out now. My book, The Breakup Monologues, is out now. Yes. Excellent. And where is that? Is that available everywhere? Yeah, all the bookshop places, you know, all the kind of Amazon and Waterstones and indie bookshops as well. If you want to support nice. your local indie bookshop, they should be able to order it. There's also an audiobook narrated by me. Lovely. So, yeah, I sat in the studio <laughs> chatting away. <laughs> How was <laughs> so that? Do listen to that. How was that I to do? Oh, is it long? It's absolutely horrific. It feels so long. I mean, I was chatting to Jen Brister about recording hers and she didn't realise how arduous it was. So they booked her in the day she finished and she just got back from her Edinburgh run. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> she she was not well book. and she just wanted to cry. Um, so I'd actually broken mine up into half-day sessions. Right. But it was still, oh, you're so bored of your own thoughts and, <laughs> and trying to keep it interesting <laughs> well yeah i was like in the beginning i was really like lively and like really acting out the words and then at the end of each day i'd be just like uh, <laughs> it's just it's monotone just, i just yeah. want to get this page yeah. done <laughs> turns into a, a, a relaxation tape rather well, than a well, the other thing is, is talking about money but and we must go in a sec is for an audiobook they pay you per finished hour so they don't pay you for how long you've taken to do it. They pay you for how long the actual finished audio book is. Oh, shit. So it pays to try and do it really quickly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Or I'm not all... speak quickly, but, but do it efficiently in one take. <laughs> so no every time idea. they stop you and they go, oh, oh no. I think... I think you'll find that normally you say after, but this time you said after, and you're like, oh, my oh God. Mate, come on. This is my book. I say it how I like. <laughs> Get on with it. Uh, this has been great, Rosie. Thank you Thank so much. You. You've been a, it's always a pleasure. Look after yourself. Thanks, Rich. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.